Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Store-wide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We are officially powered by DraftKings, Manscaped, and Fanatics. We'll plug those guys in later in the episode. But joining me right now, co-host Connor Miles, is our Eagles Brawl, Eagles Insider, Ed Cross. Ed, there's a lot of stuff going on right now with this dramatic stuff around this team and Everybody is looking at Doug Peterson right now. I think the big story that's been out these last couple of days, these last few days, is uh, Doug seems like he would be pretty happy if the Eagles fired him. Is what the report is stating, and I, I think that's kind of silly. I know his body language in these press conferences has been awful lately. He looks like a guy who's just defeated, stressed out at his job, uh, not too happy, obviously, with the way things are going right now, and. I think there is some relevance to the report as in, you know, I don't think Howie Roseman and Doug are on the same page. I think ever since really Mike Groh's departure with this team, I think Doug and Howie and Jeffrey have not been on the same page. And I think it's rolled over into this season when you see it in the draft and they're taking a quarterback in the second round. I would be as a, as a writer, as an analyst, I'd be intrigued to ask Doug Peterson, his honest thoughts on that going into that pick. Uh, making the selection of Jalen Hurts. I, in my opinion, from an outsider looking in, this looks like since the beginning of the grow, getting rid of Mike Grow and everything like that, the stages of a, a relationship that's been ending already through the seams between Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, and Jeffrey Lurie. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Do you think that Howie and Doug right now are on the same page whatsoever? Uh, you know, it'd be, I really can't say yes. It certainly doesn't look like they're on the same page. Um, you know, I would think that, you know, we always talk about Doug and giving up play calling. You would think that after five years as a head coach, you might trust him to have some input uh, into personnel decisions. Um, you know, and how he's not going to give that up. I mean, he'll get some input on Doug and from his staff, but it's ultimately his call on who is drafted. Uh, and you're right. That whole Jalen Hurts thing was kind of interesting when you're Doug Peterson. Um, you know, you're building your offense around t- Carson Wentz, and now you're bringing in this uh, quarterback that all of a sudden now you have to find, you know, a package of plays for when you could have used a safety like uh, Jeremy Chin or even a, the J.K. Dobbins running back selection. for the, They were sitting there. I mean, there were a number of different ways the Eagles could have gone with that pick, and Uh, It would be interesting to hear what Doug has to say about, you know, off the record, because on the record, you know, he's towing 
you know, the same direction that the organization is, is a good pick with a quarterback factory, this and that. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that they're on the same page personnel wise. Um, but as far as him making decisions to get fired, I mean, I, I think that's a little preposterous, to be honest with you. I just think if, if you're not happy, just resign, you know, just say, you know what, right. you can manufacture a reason to tell the media. And then on your next job interview, should you choose to go continue to try to be a head coach, you, you tell them the real reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're not happy, why, why go through this, this charade of, you know, trying to get fired? It doesn't make any sense to me. I no. mean, just resign. If you're not happy, just resign. That's all. Simple. Uh, NFL head coaches can't self-sabotage their careers like that. Uh, even if you have the one Lombardi, I mean, people are already looking at you right now thinking that that Lombardi was there because of the strong coaching staff you built up back then uh, when you did win that Lombardi. I, I, There's no way Doug Peterson would do self-tabotage, but I do think there is merit to reasoning of believing that the head coach and the personnel decision maker are not on the same page at all. I, Doug Peterson doesn't know how to use Jalen Hurts. I, if Jalen Hurts had to be the starting quarterback of this team, I'm not confident that Doug Peterson gets the best out of him or knows how to use him properly as a starting quarterback in this league. I think seeing him win with Nick Foles kind of skews people's opinions of what Doug Peterson can do with a quarterback position. I mean, we're talking about Doug Peterson back when he was a quarterback coach under Andy Reid, scouting Nick Foles, going to Nick Foles, wanting Nick Foles, building a relationship with Nick Foles before Nick Foles even put on the Philadelphia Eagles uniform. Uh, I think winning the Super Bowl with him goes back into how the familiarity with the with the two, the comfort, how comfortable they were together. I don't think you can necessarily plug in any quarterback and play well in Doug Peterson's offense. I don't think that's that's the truth, and I think Carson Wentz's struggles even prove that even more. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I I I don't think you could. I don't think, and I know a lot of people want to see the quarterback change, and we'll get into that later in the episode. But I don't think you could just. I don't think Doug Peterson makes that pick. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a Doug Peterson quarterback. I don't think that's his pick. I don't know how he alludes to. Uh, the Russell Wilson and missing out on Russell Wilson in that draft that Doug Peterson, yes, was on staff for. But, I mean, we'll get into what I feel about that later too. But I, I don't think if – I think if Doug Peterson has full say, like like other head coaches in this league have, uh, that that pick 53 comes along, I, I, I think he's looking somewhere else. I don't think he's taking Jalen Hurts. And I think if you're having that premium pick and you're, you're, you're going back and forth with Howie Roseman, look at these last couple of drafts. I mean, Andre Dillard little out of him, not much. J.J. Arcega Whiteside, Doug doesn't know how to use him. Doug doesn't know how to scheme him in his system. Uh, I don't know if I, I've seen reports that scouts wanted Justin Jefferson and how Roseman pivoted to Jalen Rager. I, I believe still Rager was the right pick. Uh, I think he will be great for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I do question if Doug Peterson knows how to scheme for receivers. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs when they had that zero touchdown season from the wide receivers. The Eagles haven't had a thousand yard wide receiver under Doug Peterson, but uh, not to get into other areas of conversation, but I just, I, I'm not from, as from a standpoint, and again, it's not like we know everything uh, that goes on in that building or the decision-making or the relationship between Howie and Doug. But I mean, just going back to seeing him, that, that video of those two at practice and uh, looking like they got into the heated argument in my opinion, that argument's probably based around why don't you use Jalen this way? And then Doug saying, Well, I don't I why are you dictating my offense? I don't know. That's just the yeah. assumption. But I, mean, I, I will I will say this about Hertz is you know, maybe this is Doug saying, I'm not gonna use him. I didn't want him, I'm not gonna use him. And if you don't like that, then go ahead and fire me. You know, fire me in week three or week four. You know, just go ahead and, and move on. Lori wouldn't let that happen, but I could see that happening i don't think doug's trying to get right. and that's i don't think that either but i mean it's ludicrous to ask a guy to even utilize two quarterbacks i it's yeah. it's I mean, easy to ask right. the saints when drew Brees is i mean uh, a shell of his former self and your other quarterback brings brings area like he can help you in the rushing game he can help you in the receiving game jalen hurts can't do that jalen hurts can help you in the rushing game not the receiving game i he's really a quarterback he's way more of a quarterback than Taysom hill is uh, yeah. I, I asking Doug Peterson to make magic happen with two quarterbacks, and then you bring in the influence of Marty Morningwake, who has one of the dullest Wildcats play calling you could ever have in an offensive coach, and Rich Scangarello, who I mean, we don't even know what he's trying to implement. We don't know. Uh, it was just a bad situation to ask him to get yeah. into, and it, I mean, this is going, this is dating back from. I even think the Mike Grow situation is what really was the tip of this iceberg of Doug saying, "Hey." I want a Lombardi here. 
I mean, I, your quarter, your starting quarterback that you invested all this in when we started out here got hurt, and I had to win that Lombardi still maintain that number one seed with with Nick Foles, and I did that. And uh, I've gone to the, we've gone through numerous of injuries with this medical staff you guys have given me these last couple of years, and I still will this team into the playoffs each time. Uh, maybe I should be frustrated. Maybe I should be agitated. I mean, you're drafting a quarterback in the second round when. I'm fully invested in the starting quarterback you have now, and so are you, let me remind you. Like at at some point we always point fingers and we're saying, you know, this is all Doug's fault. We need to fire Doug. But uh what if Doug is right here? Like what if he is actually right? Maybe maybe he's not maybe we're not helping Doug Peterson. I don't know. Maybe the maybe Jeff Leary and Harry Roseman aren't putting Doug Peterson in the best best position to be successful. And I think that has to be considered when we're talking about fire Doug, fire Doug, because I mean I'm at the point where either you fire him or you don't. It's whatever. I I think you can go either direction, but at the I can't I can't ignore the fact that this, this team's not doing Doug Peterson any favors either. No, yeah. Well, just again with the Hurts thing. I mean, there's something going on there. Clearly, I mean, he had one snap last week, and you know maybe this is Doug's way of saying I didn't want him. I'm not playing him. That's just what I'll say. They haven't made Jalen Hurts available to the media since the end of July. Um, and there's a reason for that too. Uh, I'm sure of it because they might be afraid that he's going to slip up and say something he shouldn't say. Um, but because to me, there's just a disconnect there with how they're using him. And you can't tell me that they can't figure out ways to use him and get him more involved. Um, but then you can say that with Greg Ward too, you know, like where's the, 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 the Greg Ward sweep and throw a pass type of play, you know, where's that creativity? Um, so it just seems like, you know, Doug is kind of sticking it to Howie to me in some things and some of the way he's he's handling this. And I don't think it's to get fired. I just think it's his way of making a point uh, to Howie and some of the things that he's disagreed with. But then another shoe drops and you're like, well, Doug, I mean, if you would get a little bit more creative in your play calling, this situation wouldn't be happening right now. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really just think this whole – the domino effects aren't happening when you trade for Golden Tate and that doesn't work out. And then you blame the you blame the offensive coordinator for that not working out. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves and your offense continues to even spiral even in a worse direction. I mean, at the end of the day, it is Doug's fault. It is Howie's fault. And it is Carson's fault. No matter what we want to say, no matter who we want to blame it, everybody has a hand in the reasoning of the Eagles downfall on the offensive side of the ball this year. Yep. It's not just one person, but, uh, the huge thing here, Ed, is how he comes off as the common denominator of all the Eagles' struggles over the past decade. Uh, one season, I don't think, is enough for me to, to really say how he is a great. He's not the worst executive in the NFL. Uh, certainly not the best. He, I think the Eagles could do better from a personal standpoint. And with Philadelphia's calf situation the way it is in 2021, though, Moving on from uh, Harry Roseman does not really seem plausible, but do you think that's even something in Jeffrey Lurie's mind? Like, hey, you know, uh, no, it's no. fine. Yeah, you don't think so either? No, yeah, no. I don't know. I don't. I mean, he's got another year on his deal, just as Doug does. Um, but how he's been with this organization since, you know, 2000. You know, him and Jeffrey right. have a very tight relationship and um, almost like a father-son relationship. And I just don't see them making a move with Howie. And like you mentioned, they are so woefully up against the salary cap. And that was made worse, obviously, by the COVID. They're, you know, each team is going to have to, you know, absorb another 25 to $30 million in the cap hit that it's going to take. Uh, but the Eagles were already about $50 million uh, over the cap. Uh, but I just don't see uh, a situation where Howie uh, – or I'm sorry, Jeffrey moves on from Howie, um, at least not yet. Uh, and if he does, if he ever does move on from him, I think it would be, be to put him in another capacity within the organization um, and give uh, someone yes. else more of a personnel say. Yes, that's the only way it happens. He's not right. getting rid of Howie. I mean, no. I, I just have to take the question because it's the, for the podcast for everybody to listen. Because, I mean, most of the you, – you know it. You're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. You see the social media of the Eagles side. Everybody wants Howie out of the building. I would like that he wouldn't have personnel say. That's where I'll go with that. I would like if you uh, – I'm not saying Joe Douglas was a savior here or anything like that, but I would like to add someone that you can at least – how he could be on the same page on. Uh, and you're not going to hit every draft pick. 
And yeah. we, I think we we strive for perfection here because I know that everybody's going to say, well, Joe Douglas didn't help Howie much from the draft. I completely get that. You're not going to hit every draft pick, but uh, Howie needs help in that department, that's for sure. And I think whatever could, whatever in his thought process convinced him that this Jalen Hurts pick was uh, beneficial to this team uh, and where they selected him, I, I would hope the, the the guy that they bring in steers him out of that type of direction next time. Because yeah. I feel for Jalen Hurts, man. I have nothing against Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts can be a starting quarterback in this league. I think he can develop into a, a formidable winning starting quarterback in this league. I just hate the situation he entered into. It's it's no fault of his own. Uh-uh. I keep bringing him up. Every time it seems like he's brought up, it's in a negative negative light. Uh, I, I truly feel for the kid. I think this is the worst situation you could have came into. And if you, honestly, he could be the future starter of the Eagles. I mean, it's not like Carson Wentz's deal after the next two years is impossible to get out of after those next two seasons. And you still have Jalen Hurts on the line. I don't want to dictate what his career could be right now, but I mean, uh, the situation though, it just that created in the Philadelphia locker room and with the whole entire team, the offense in general, I mean, if Jalen Hurts is not here and Carson Wentz is struggling the way he is, at least you're not talking about uh, benching him. I mean, I think you're the only one who's ever suggested Nate Sudfeld starting in place of Carson Wentz, to be honest with you. So yeah. it's not a it's not a widely mentioned thing as it is now. I think constantly mentioning this over and over again, should they bench for Jalen Hurts? I mean, well, that, that would affect – I mean, imagine you are with SI right now and they're saying, Ed, you know – we're going to promote John over you. He should be the number one Eagles guy. I know you guys are 1A and 1B, but he should be the number one. You should be the number two. That's going to make you feel some type of way. So, I mean, the, yeah. the atmosphere that this has created is just a, it's a part of my language. It's a clusterfuck. And I, it's a, it's a shame. It's a shame. And I think that this team was not prepared to handle it that way. I don't think – I think this team is as good as Carson Wentz makes them. Yeah. I mean, it's proven it right now. And you, you keep – Driving on his mental to 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 bring, he's already had to deal with the Nick Foles happy doing all this stuff. And I mean, again, I want my franchise quarterback to be as tough as nails, and I want him to take uh, criticism and run with it and do be better. And I want him to not let stuff like this affect him. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human, and uh, I, I this has to play into his mental. What's going on with him mentally? Because other than that, his play just is just being bad. We really can't point out the reasons why, other than that, the guy looks like he's mentally defeated, and so does Doug Peterson. Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, um, I, I would like to see, I'd like to rerun this season with a healthy offensive line from day one till, till absolutely now to see what it looks like and to see if Carson's decision making isn't a little better or his, you know, he feels like he has a little bit more that split second to throw the ball longer. Maybe that helps him, but. You know, the way this line has been all season from June when they lost Brandon Brooks and it's just continued losing Andre Dillard and, you know, they're shuffling guys all over. I mean, Monday night we're going to see the 10th different uh, offensive line uh, in 11 games. I mean, that I, I don't know when that's ever happened uh, before no. with the Eagles or even the league. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, so, I, you know, the more I think about it, I think that O-line – could be a big reason why Carson's struggling. He's been sacked. Oh no! Well, without a doubt, the team is built through the trenches. Yeah, the and, offensive and it's line very much different for them to not have that type of offensive line in place. Um, the injuries they absorbed up front were just killer from day one when they lost Brooks. And you know, I think that has as much to do with Carson's struggles as anything else. Oh, absolutely! You cannot convince me otherwise. The, the yeah. guy is a pocket passer through and through. I think, if anything, it's exposed his lack of being able to sense pressure this season, to be honest with you, because he's taken a lot. A lot of his sacks are on him, and he does sit in the pocket. He does have a tendency to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, and I think that uh, we lived with it before because we had such great offensive line play, and now it's being exposed uh, due to the lack of good offensive line play. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Brandon Brooks' presence has been – the loss of his presence has been known since week one. They can't figure out right guard to save their lives. And not only that – when we all talk about the running game and Doug not utilizing it this, the the proper way and everything like that, and Miles Sanders struggling, he should be struggling. He was the main purpose of Miles Sanders last year. The main uh, direction of his production was the right side of the offensive line between Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. Uh, since it's just been 
sporadic. It's been outside. His production's been outside zones and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think that takes a huge hit into uh, the running game without having a, a healthy Lane Johnson, not having Brandon Brooks out there. Uh, I think that's the one thing you could take from this Eagles season is saying they're so bad because they're so unfamiliar with themselves. This is a team that, an offense, they got used to 12 personnel. I don't care what anybody says. That team was completely used to 12 personnel and running the offense through Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Now they don't know who to run the offense through. Dallas hasn't really showed you that he can run away with handling the number one tight end job so far since he's returned from injury. These receivers are struggling with consistency and getting consistently open. The play calling has been out of sorts and wax. I just think this team wasn't prepared for a Carson Wentz to play bad B for the offense to completely change overnight and be productive overnight. I mean, I, I just remember when Doug got hired his opening introductory press conference you could probably count on two hands how many times he mentioned 12 personnel. Now that they – I mean, they still like to do it with Dallas Goddard and Richard Rodgers, but still that's that's 50% of your 12 personnel. Zach Ertz is a huge benefactor of that. I think the huge reason for the Eagles' struggles this year is not being able to run the offense through Zach Ertz, not being able to have that dominant offensive line that they're used to having. Yeah. If you put a healthy Zach Ertz in there that's contributing like he had the last two years prior to the season and Brandon Brooks in a healthy lane in there, Completely different season, completely different offense, completely different Carson Wentz, completely different Doug Peterson. I think that's needs to be factored in a lot more than just the COVID. The COVID. I mean, Doug lost his identity and has struggled to find a new one along the way. And Carson doesn't have the safety blanket of his offensive line and his number one reliable target in Zach Ertz. I think it goes hand in hand in both of their struggles. And I, it's just context. I feel like that's being sorely missed. I mean, we, we've gone through years of the Eagles not being good with Donovan Navis starter, and he would return as the starter of the year prior. This is really outside his rookie year. The first bad season uh, the Eagles have been with Carson Wentz as starting quarterback. I'm not ready to give the towel, throw the towel on him, and I'm not necessarily ready to throw it in on Doug either. I'm just at the point where if they make a move and go in a different direction, so be it. But, I mean, with I, I don't know. I just, I think... There has to be a compromise made at this some point at the end of the season, and Doug has to buy into it, obviously, for him to continue to be his head coach. But, Ed, my question to you is, after hearing all that, A, do you keep Doug Peterson personally? If It's up to you. If you're Jeffrey Lurie, do you keep Doug Peterson? And if you do, who do you? What, what's the one number thing that you have to tell Doug, this is what you need to do in order to stay as head coach, and this is why I think we'll be better? And then if you don't keep Doug Peterson, who's the first ideal target that you have on the top of your head? Um, well, I'll answer that question first. I would probably go after Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City uh, and try to bring him in. But then you look at, you know, Deuce Staley sitting here. Um, you know, he, he was a running back just like Bieniemy was in the league. And um, to not give him the opportunity would really probably send him out of, out of town somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't see him sticking around. Um, would that be a bad thing? I don't, I don't necessarily think it would be. And I like Deuce, but you know, he's been here for 10 years now, I believe 2010 was his first season. Um, change of scenery can't help, can't hurt. You know, we talk about it with players all the time and we've seen it with some of the former Eagles that are doing well, change of scenery helps, but I would probably go Eric the in Kansas city, you know, another Andy Reed disciple, uh, has called some plays, um, familiarity, with Andy and what he says carries a lot of weight in this organization still, uh, even though he's been gone, you know, whatever, eight years now. Um, so I, I would probably go Eric enemy. But as far as firing Doug, I mean, listen, if they go, if they don't win any more games and they finish, you know, what would the record be? Three, three, 12 and one, three, three, 12. I mean, if they go three, 12 and one, yeah, that's going to be a hard sell to the fan base to bring him back next year even though I think there are a lot of factors and a lot of reasons for this season having gone off the rails. We've just talked about a bunch of them. Uh, and he does have that year left on his deal. Um, I just think it would be very difficult to bring him back. So really the ball's in Doug's hand and in his players' hands at this point to win a few more games. If he doesn't, I, I think that there will be a move made to, to get rid of him. Um, and maybe you trust Howie to bring in a guy, or maybe you do make the move with Howie and just say, you know, we're going to bring in a personnel guy to assist you. 
Um, and we're going to put you in charge of cap management. Be a great year to do it because we're so far over the cap. We need to make some decisions here um, cap wise. We need to figure this out. Um, but I, I think the end has not been written yet for both of these guys. There's still six more games to go. Uh, and I think there's a lot riding on those last six games in terms of who's going to come back and who isn't. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And my ideal, my number one ideal target for head coaching, if you do move on from Doug Pierce and Joe Brady, I want to get a Sean Payton disciple, Will Parcells type of disciple guy that uh, performed well in New Orleans, has gone to the college game and made Joe Burrow into a transcendent prospect and then comes into the NFL and uh, has made an offense that shouldn't be as productive as it is incredibly productive, especially from a receiving standpoint. I would go Joe Brady and I would try to escape the Andy Reid shadow finally. I feel like I would lift that shadow off this team and just find the right guy. They had to go familiarity after the Chip Kelly experience, but now I would just say just try with a different type of approach. But well, I'm not firing Doug. I'm not firing Doug, though. I'm okay. the, the reason why I'm not firing Doug, I mean, if they go 3-12-1, then yeah, sorry, but I can't really help you there. You, you <laughs> lost out, and then you're not surviving. If, if Andy Reid's not going to survive a 4-12 season, you're not surviving 3-12-1. Right. I don't care what COVID's going on. I don't care what about the excuses I just said. You, yeah. You're not surviving. But here go, here's what goes into it. It's hard for me to firmly say bring back Doug because I feel like when I'm watching this team, I feel like the team kind of quit on him. I feel like they're not as confident as him as head coach as they used to be. And honestly, I don't blame him because half the, the the leaders of this team, the guys like Fletcher Cox, Brendan Graham, uh, J.C. Peters, the guys who've been here for a while, have seen what happens when you quit on the coach when you're when you know that this isn't working anymore. When Andy Reid's last year here, when Chip Kelly's last year here, when these guys are just like, yeah, this isn't working. It's when their coach is not changing and he's sticking to what he thinks will work and it's still not working and he's continuously doing it because that's called insanity right there. That's the definition of insanity. I feel like that's coming on right now because since the bye, you and I said it when we're on this podcast, this is what the Eagles need to do to change. And this is what we're hoping to see from Doug Peterson and how they change going forward. None of that's happened. They've looked completely the same as they start the season. That's insanity. So, I feel like if I'm Brandon Graham and I'm Fletcher Cox, I'm like, wow, I've seen this this show before and it, it ends the same way. Why am I putting that much effort into it? And I mean, to be honest with you, uh, from what you and I have both heard from uh, off the records and talking to through your guys, it doesn't, uh, there's no sense of urgency for some players to return from injury, let's just say, or there isn't a sense of urgency to play through injury as much as there is anymore. And I mean, I can't really blame them. It's three, they're three, the team's three, six and one. And they don't really look like they're, they're playing for much right now, but, uh, it's just a different, a different feel. Uh, I should say since Doug Pierce has taken over this team, because before you would have guys running through a wall to play for Doug Pierce, and you have Malcolm Jenkins never missing a single snap. Uh, you have, I mean, that one report when Jeff McClain drops in and says Jim Schwartz is out to take Doug Pierce's job, and they beat Washington, and then they they douse Doug with the Gatorade. I mean, these guys love Doug, but this season. It, you don't really see guys really fighting for their head coach in, in the most struggling situation. So uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this, if Jeffrey Lurie is as frustrated as the report state, he is like, how he skips out in the Cleveland game. And I mean, we don't, we're not too sure about that, but I mean, if, if he's as frustrated as he says he is, Doug's gone. That's the, he's making the move. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie is an aggressive owner. If he's as frustrated as, as the, much as these reports state, he is, I don't see how Doug Peterson survives as the head coach. Well, but, do you think any players have quit on Doug? Would you say? I can't say for sure. I can't say for sure, but I just don't think the effort's been there. I mean, you have Jason Kelsey who hyperextended his elbow and came back after halftime. He, he, he would have done it for Chip, team. too. I think he's loyal to the team more than the Absolutely. The coach. He's fighting through this season. You know, he's not going to mail it in because of an, an injury. He, you know, he's, he's absolutely going to make his 100th start Monday night. That probably plays into it, too. But you look at Isaac Siamalu, who, you know, we learned this week that he had a torn MCL and he had surgery on it. Uh, and here he is. He's back. And he even admitted he's not 100 percent, but, you know, he's back. He wants to help the team. He, you know, even though this season's, you know, pretty much over at three, six and one and they're not in first place anymore. You know, he he's not giving up on it. You know, he's answering the bell. So's Kelsey. So's Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders missed two games with a knee injury. 
you could you could shut it down if you're Miles Sanders, but he's not going to. He's in it for the team. I mean, these are guys that haven't given up on the season, and I haven't really seen much of a lack of effort on you know from anybody really. Maybe Alshon Jeffrey a little bit, you know, on that interception that he kind of surrendered. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been playing for us for the last two years. No, so but- I mean, but I you know some of these core players they're doing what they can and they're 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 staying together and they're still trying to fight through this season and I give those guys a whole lot of credit for coming back and fighting through their injuries uh like you're being paid to frankly I mean these guys are getting paid a ton of money to play football mm-hmm. and if you're not going to do it then you know move move along you know go somewhere else that's the bottom line but some guys aren't ready to do that some guys are still invested and still fighting for this team and for Doug I've had I've had this uh, growing fear in the back of my head that this is Jason Kelsey's last season. And if it is, I mean, the guy is not going to, well, regardless, he would never quit. I mean, it, it could be chip out there, chip Kelly out there and he's still out there on the field. And we know how much he wasn't a big fan of him, but what's crazy to be, man, what, the Eagles were set to become a legit contender after their Super Bowl 52. I mean, this is supposed to be the new norm. We were all excited. The, the top 10 caliber quarterback coming off his MVP season is going to be back. Now we're at the point where we're debating if the Eagles should move on from the first head coach in Eagles history to win the Lombardi. Where I just want to know from I, I've been mentioning throughout the pot uh, throughout this episode so far, like where I think the downfall started happening. But when do you think the downfall of the Eagles started happening? Was it when Frank Reich left Indy? Was it Lurie overstepping and making the decision on Mike Rowe under Doug's uh, feet? I mean, or do you think it was drafting Jalen Hurts? Um, I, I'll start out by saying I think it's very tough to be a dynasty in the NFL. I mean, unless you're in the Wing Patriots, you know, to, to come back and continue to win. I mean, we see it all the time with teams that lose the Super Bowl. You know, the 49ers, the Rams, the Falcons. Look, look how the Falcons. Eagles back in the day. I mean, they they, yeah. won, they lost the Super Bowl and then McNabb got out and Mike McMahon was the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. It was I, rough. I, you know, I think. Maybe letting this roster get too old too quick could have been the downfall. You know, you had some aging players that the that Howie and the Eagles were very loyal to that they continued to bring back, like Darren Sproles and even Jason Peters. And, um, you know, they just showed this loyalty to some of the players that they should have moved on from and started to try to infuse a little bit more youth. Um, but they stayed loyal to the guys that helped them win. And, you know, can you blame them? I, I mean – you know, I like loyalty just as much as the next guy. And, you know, if you're if you're a loyal soldier for your team and it's hard to move on from guys like that. And Howie will say that that's one of his weaknesses is keeping guys too long. But I would say that probably to me is kind of the downfall. The beginning of the downfall is just bringing back guys that you should have cut bait with, uh, you know, a year or two before uh, that time came. And they didn't do that. All right, so my next question for you, because it seems like it's another debate this week, is uh, some some fans seem to be really just out on Carson Wentz. There's nothing that he can do to really have them back, have him back in on them. I know that you we're smart enough to both know that his contract ties him to the Eagles for the next two years. Nothing can happen, no trades, no cuts, no nothing outside of that. Uh, my question for you is, though, do you think that, I know that they're forced to, but do you think that it's smart to be all in on Carson Wentz still moving forward? Do you think that uh, standing, standing firmly behind him would be a good move for the Eagles, even if they decide to go new head coach? Well, I, I think they should, yeah. I mean, I, Carson's going to be 28 years old um, at the end of this month, at the end of December. Um, you know, he's really in his prime. Uh, you might need someone else to try to fix him. He may have to try to fix himself in some areas, who knows, um, yes, you know, but, but there's something more going on with Carson, I suspect. And then we really know, and, um, he needs to figure that out on his own. Um, listen, I don't ask anybody to help me, you know, get through what I, I'm going through sometimes, you know, I know it's a cliche, you look in the mirror, but, you know, I think Carson needs to, you know, figure some things out on his own here, uh, you know, and get to the bottom of some things. But I don't think it's – I think they should stick with him. I really do. Um, and, and I think that's a good contract. I know they gave him a lot of money, but, uh, you know, it's going to give him a chance to prove himself over these next uh, year or two um, that this was a fluke. And 
I still think Carson can play. Um, I don't, I haven't seen much of what, you know, what we've seen from him before, but listen, I mean, he only threw seven picks last year, seven picks the year before 33 touchdowns in 2017 in just 12 games. I mean, he would have put 40 on the board if he would have played the final four games. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still not ready to check out on Carson. I just think that he needs to do, uh, some things on his own to get right. And I think that the Eagles need to help him do some things to get right. And right now we're not seeing it. It's hard in season to do that. The off season is the time to do these things and we'll see what kind of off season Carson and the organization with in conjunction with Carson, see what they have in the off season together. What's going on, everybody? It's Eagles Brawl co-host Connor Miles. I just want to let you know about our partnership with DraftKings. Football is here, and so is your shot at millions. Thanks to our sponsorship with DraftKings, all new players can play for free for millions with your first deposit. So let me just let you know how it works real quick. So you go to DraftKings, and you create your first ever DFS account with DraftKings. You make a deposit, minimum $5.00. And DraftKings will credit your account with a free entry to numerous of contests that can win you millions. Just go to dkng.co slash brawlpod to play. That's dkng.co slash b-r-a-w-l-p-o-d to play. Quick, Act quickly. This offer won't be around forever. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and go over there and sign up and support your favorite Eagles podcast, Eagles Brawl. What's going on, everybody? It's Connor Miles, co-host of the Eagles Brawl here. I just want to give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors. That's Manscaped. Go ahead. The holidays are here. It's time to get your loved ones trimmed and nicely trimmed that is by going to manscaped.com and using promo code brawl that's b-r-a-w-l to get 20 percent off your order plus free shipping you know it he knows it he needs to trim up go to manscaped.com get 20 percent off your order and free shipping when using promo code brawl b-r-a-w-l Support your favorite Eagles podcast, Eagles Brawl, when purchasing an item off of Manscaped.com and also take care of that person you love. Yeah, I'm, you, you don't move off of Carson Wentz. You don't give up on a talent like that. If the, I, I mean, no. numerous examples around the league where a quarterback midway through his career struggles. I think I, the one I keep jumping back to, and I, the reason why I do is because I think Caliber-wise, talent-wise, they're all along the same levels as Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's had years where he, statistically-wise, he's struggled a lot. But, I mean, they, the Lions stay invested in him bringing a new coach. Hasn't been to the same effect and success as the Eagles can possibly have. Uh, I think it would, I, 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 I think that might help, too, if they do decide to go do round a head coach. I think he's, he's a top 10. He is a top 10 caliber quarterback at the end of the day. He's just mightily struggling. And I I think you're hitting on it the most. Uh, There's going to be something in the offseason that comes out that he was struggling with. I know it. There's just going to be something deep down where he either does an interview where he admits it or something goes on where a report comes out that he can't hide from anymore, that something was going on. That caused this to happen, whether it's an injury, whether it's mental, whether it's something in the personal, I don't know. Yeah. Something's going to come out because it's Philadelphia. We get to the bottom of the stuff at the end of the day, no matter what. It's really tough to hide stuff from this city. But I mean, if you say you take the hit for it, I mean, you can't really take the hit from his contract. But theoretically speaking, say you do want to move on and you find a way somehow or he retires, I don't think it's set in stone that you're, you're set with Jalen Hurt still. I don't. I'm not really sure. I mean, if you get a new head coach, then that's a different conversation. But with, like I said with Doug, I mean, I don't know. But this leads into my next question, though, because I still just I'm not convinced what this Eagles team could be with if with Jalen Hurts a quarterback. I really just don't know with in a Doug Peterson offense what they could be. But uh, at some point, if Carson struggles against Seattle, you have to stop playing 
uh, nice with your franchise quarterback and start saying, listen, buddy, this is the NFL. Like we have a guy that has potential behind you. Uh, we're struggling as a team when Jason Peters struggles, when uh, whoever Nate Herbig struggles, whoever on this team, we bench them uh, or we, we tell them, we let them know like, Hey, we think you're struggling. We need to put you to the side. Uh, you need to be no different. And if we hold you to a higher standard, players are going to catch on. Players are going to start noticing. Players are going to get mad because you're not living up to the end of the bargain the way you've been playing lately. There has to be that some point in the Seattle game, correct? If he does struggle, there has to be that point where they just finally admit that and put Jalen out there. Well, listen, if they lose to Seattle, Washington's in first place with four wins. The Eagles still have three wins. Their last win was November 1st against the Cowboys. It'll be over a month since they've won a football game. Uh, at what point do you say, we're going to see what Jalen has? You know, listen, we're out of it. Uh, I don't think they'd be out of it after Monday night. But, I, you know, I would make a game, I would make a move in game if you had to. But, again, I, I think I mentioned it on, the you know, one of their earlier pods that this has to be a, a kind of a coordinated uh, benching. It can't just be a spur of the moment type thing. Right. You have to have the talk with Carson that, look, there's a very real possibility that we might throw Jalen in there. Mm-hmm. for a series or two or for a half. Um, I don't think he can just do it willy-nilly and just bench him on the on the fly. Uh, but but we'll see. I mean, you know, it was interesting earlier in the week when Doug kind of hemmed a little bit or paused a little bit when he was asked if, if Carson's going to start. And he said yes, and then Carson was asked about it. And, um, you know, he kind of said yes, sir, but he looked very somber, very serious. So maybe there are discussions that have taken place along those lines and they're just not going to tell us and I can't blame them. Um, but I, I think there could have been some discussions about that and we could see that happen Monday night. Uh, if Carson falls behind, because we've talked about it, the Seahawks offense is very good. Um, and their secondary is not very good. So they should be able to throw the ball. They should be able to score some points to match this Seattle offense. And if they're not doing that early and it's 17, nothing at halftime, you know, it's time to make a move. Let's face it. Uh, I would absolutely make a move. Um, and I, I'm completely fine with a Dominic Knapp, Kevin Cobb, Baltimore Ravens situation. Even if Jalen comes out there and stinks to bed, I'm sorry, but you got to send a message finally. You cannot hold one player to standards that you don't hold the rest of the team to. That's a, that's not how you operate a football team. I don't care who you are. Right. The cradling of Carson Wentz at this point has kind of ticked me off. Yeah. Uh, I'm the biggest Carson. Look, man. I got his thing up hanging up on the wall back here. I yeah. took a selfie with the guy. I love Carson as much as everybody else does. But if you're a struggling football player, you need to be benched. And I don't care who you are. And he's struggling right now. And you have an option behind you that has some potential, no matter what we want to say about it. He does have talent. Jalen Hurts is a talented guy. He was drafted in the second round for a reason. He would have been a second rounder, regardless of the Eagles made that pick or not. I firmly believe that. Uh, you have to put the other guy in. You have to send that message to that quarterback. Like, listen, this is a real threat. This is a real threat. We know your contract. You're being a little stubborn. You're struggling a little bit. We need to send you a message so that you could probably look at yourself in the mirror, like you just said, and play better. And that's what Donovan did. And I know that the next season after, kind of, it was kind of really the curtains, though. That still was the beginning of the end. But if it has to be the beginning of the end for Carson, so be it. Hopefully the Eagles figure out that Jalen Hurts is the guy then. But uh, something at some point, with the way that he's playing right now, with the turnovers and a lot of the sacks being on him, you have to make the decision and say, hey, look, continue to let you play out there the way you were playing. It's not helping the Eagles. and It's not helping you at all. So uh, we need to make a move. But this is the game I do it in and because I, I don't need Jalen Hurts to win. I don't need to put the pressure on him. I need them to, especially if he comes in and they're down 17 and nothing, Jalen, just go out there and play football, man. We haven't played football games, so just go out there and do what you can possibly do. And if you don't win, it's all right. We'll go back to Carson next week, anyways. But if you do win, then we'll have a talk. But yeah, I mean, and he's a good runner. You know, he's yes. You know, I mean, Carson. He's not that bad of a thrower either. I mean, right. But when you have this offensive line, you really worry about Jalen Hurts getting you know thrown to the wolves and having his confidence destroyed. But listen, he can he can mope. You know, he can scramble. They they threw they threw Cobb to the woods. Yeah, you have to. I, at this point, if you're down 17 nothing against the Seahawks, number one, you lost that game. You're not coming back and winning. Number two, send the message to the starting quarterback and say, for some reason, we're down 17 nothing. You must have been at fault for that. I know there's a lot of context that goes into that situation, but I mean, if you're down 17 nothing, the quarterback did something wrong at some point or he's not doing it enough. 
uh, to get you points on the board against a really bad secondary, like you just said. I mean, there's no excuses for the Eagles offense this week. They have to be putting up points like every single offense has against the Seattle secondary. Uh, yeah, this is the game I do it in. And then, and then and like I just like Kevin, Kevin Cogos out there. He throws a pick six that read right away. Uh, if Jalen does that, fine. So be it. I mean, just go out there. Semi met, make my starting quarterback start feeling uncomfortable because when he starts feeling uncomfortable and his back's against the wall, he usually starts playing better. So that's this is definitely the game I send the message in. I wanted to bring that up because you did say this week, you said by, uh, last week when I asked you after the game, after the loss of the Cleveland Browns, when do you start making this decision? You said, if you do, this has to be a coordinated move. You have to have these discussions. And then I listened to the, the Doug Presser and the Carson Presser, like you said, and it sounded like to me that that, that discussion definitely took place. That they definitely said, look, we can't continue to play you if you struggle like this. I mean, it is what it is, but I can't send the message to the team this way. I'm benching Jason Peters this week because of how he's playing at left tackle. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to be able to bench my fifth-year starting quarterback if I'm going to bench my 12-year starting left tackle. Yeah, nobody should so, be untouchable. No, nobody. No, not no. when you're struggling. Sorry. Not no. when you're 3-6-1. and one. Nobody's untouchable when you're 3-6-1, and one, and not even Doug Peters and the course of ones are. So – I'm asking you this because I know he's been struggling with injuries and he's coming back from an injury still, but uh, from all indications from John Clark, Jack Driscoll is all good to go. Why would you not play him at right tackle and put Matt Pryor out there? Because I think Matt Pryor at offensive tackle, whether it's left or right, is a disaster waiting to happen. Well, I think there's a good chance we see Jack Driscoll because I'm not sure Jason Peters is going to play. He was listed as questionable. Um right. With this turf play. I doubt he plays. I would be, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't. So I think what they would do in that case would probably put Matt Pryor at right guard and put Jack Driscoll at right tackle. Um, as it stands now, I guess they like Pryor better at right tackle, at least Stoutland does. Um, he liked the way Stoutland came on Saturday and talked and said, you know, if you watch that Cleveland game, he liked some of the things he did against Cleveland. Um, at right tackle. So, uh, you know, right now Matt Pryor has just simply moved ahead of Jack Driscoll on the depth chart, and that's what, you know, they're more comfortable with him at right tackle. Um, but, again, I think Pryor is going to end up at right guard because Peters I don't think is going to play with this turf toe. I mean, and, and you could see in Cleveland last week Peters was bothered bothered uh, with something. I mean, it was obvious that he was struggling through something. And, I, and again, I give him credit. I know a lot of people have kind of moved away from him, but listen, he, he gutted it out. He stayed in the game and he did the best he could. It it wasn't good enough. Um, but if he's going to be that kind of liability and you notice that early in the game, if he does decide to play, you got to make a move there too. And you got to probably slide prior over and put Driscoll in. Driscoll isn't ready to play guard. I don't think, I don't think he's taking any reps there. Um, you know, it's it's been tackle or bust for him, and I and I think Driscoll's probably a better guard. To be honest with you, I think that's why they drafted him was to play guard. They weren't expecting to have to use him at tackle, but the way you know the offensive line injuries kept happening, they needed him to play tackle. Um, Matt Pryor, he's like he's pretty much the big V replacement, if anything. I think Driscoll is at this point probably, or, or you know maybe even Milata is if Lane comes back healthy and uh, Dillard comes back and takes that left I'm tackle. super high on a lot of for some reason now. I'm at the point where I'm just like, dude, roll with him at starting left tackle and just see how it goes for an extended period of time. Yeah, that's what we're looking at. That's going to happen the rest of the year. A lot is going to be. Yeah, that's the, you're right. That's the good thing because now he's officially – even if Peters wasn't injured, that's the report. I mean, that he they firmly cemented him at left tackle. Yeah. Now we finally get to see if like, hey, do we A, give a lot of the keys to left tackle or B, do we see how he does and then – talk about Andre Dillard still because that's really what it is now is Jordan Mulata has this audition where he could show us hey I'm the left tackle of the future you don't need Andre Dillard or yes you do need Andre Dillard and I'm your death piece of the future well I'm, I'm excited for that that's a good story I mean that's really not many positives with this team uh, right now and if we're all thinking offseason I think I think the next couple of games could show you because if Driscoll does come in and if you're right Let's just say that they are comfortable with prior right tackle because now Lane's out for the season. That's not coming back from that. Uh, if they do end up, if Salen likes prior and prior is the bigger of the two, I assume size has a huge reason why Salen's more on prior train at tackle. Uh, we're probably looking at potential Matt Pryor playing right tackle for a long period of time. 
maybe they do try to put Driscoll at right guard, or maybe you know they Nate Herbie gets a chance to get back in there again to show us what he's got. Because uh, from what it stands, Peters might Peters is definitely going after this year because this is when you ever you see a player's last season go the way that Jason Peters is going, you know it's this is it for him. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Brooks. I mean, you put you put out an article today about him and Lane Johnson going down. I mean. They, he might be one of those hard decisions you make at the end of the year that, hey, we need to move on. We need to get some little bit of cap relief. Yeah, Brandon Brooks might be one of those guys. So you might need to be looking at who's going to be your right guard of the future, your center. This might be Jason Kelsey's last season. Yeah. Uh, Herbie can play center. Luke Jurger got in and got some playing time when Kelsey got hurt for like one of those two snaps. I mean, he could be your center of the future. I mean, uh, there's a lot riding on the future of this offensive line these next couple of weeks. So, I mean, figuring out left tackle as soon as you can figure it out would be great. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get the full answer. I mean, it's a lot of job or bust really to me. Uh, if he doesn't prove to you this year, then you have to go into next year and hope Andre Dillard is the answer. Yeah. Uh, that's really your, your option right there. Yeah. Lane coming back. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get a lot of work. M- Milata needs the time. I mean, when you watched him, right. play, yeah, he did well, but I mean, he's too mechanical. It looks like he's thinking too much. You know, he didn't look completely comfortable, but that's just because he never played football in his life. Right. He looks like a first-year starting player in the NFL. Yeah. I mean – He's uncomfortable as it goes. I'm – Yeah. So these six games with Mulata, you know, we'll see how much growth he can put on film and see if they're comfortable with him, you know, and Dillard. I mean, look, Dillard Dillard didn't do anything to lose the job except get hurt. Um, Right. So to me, he's still the guy. Um, and Mulata will be the swing tackle, in my opinion, if Lane Johnson comes back healthy. And that's a big if. I mean, you know, in that article you referenced, I mean, you know, he's got the PED history that, you know, those things are tend to, you know, get players hurt more. Their bodies break down quicker. Um, so you wonder, you know, I mean, he's 30 years old. How is he going to come back? Uh, is he going to be the same all-pro player he was in 2017 and the pro bowler he was the last few years? And the same with Brandon Brooks, 31 years old, two Achilles injuries now. These guys are accounting. I mean, Lane Johnson's salary cap next year is $17.8 million. It's a big hit. Brandon Brooks is $14.5 million next year. That's a lot of salary cap for two guys that are coming off injury. Um, there, to me, it looks like there's just a lot of opportunity on this line. And now is the time to show what you can do. If you're a Driscoll or a Mulatto or a Pryor or a Herbig or a Jariga, even if something were to happen to Jason Kelsey. Um, so the Eagles have some hard decisions and I think it's going to, some of them are going to be made on that line. Yeah. I don't think Lane's going to be one of them though. I think if out of the most likely one you bring back is probably Lane. I think, unfortunately for my guy, B Brooks, uh, the writing might be on the wall there, but I agree with you because there's going to be a lot of hard decisions. And I mean, we already highlighted throughout numerous pod episodes who we think some of them are going to be, but uh, Ed, just to end the episode real quick. Who do you think? I mean, how do you think the Eagles finally beat Russell Wilson? Cause I mean, I'm trying to figure out answers myself. Well, listen, I mean, he, he wore the Superman's cape in the first five or six games of the season. He was MVP clearly. But mm. it hasn't been the case lately. I mean, he's thrown seven interceptions in the last five games. I mean, that's the way you beat him is you have to turn him over. Uh, he's been sacked a bunch of times. He's absorbed 33 sacks. We all talk about Carson getting sacked 40 times, but Wilson's gone down 33 times. So, you know, to win this game, to me, it's going to be on the defense. They're going to have to get the turnovers. They're going to have to sack Russell Wilson um, and limit his opportunities and give the offense the ball in good territory. We saw what happened in Cleveland when they intercepted uh, or when uh, rather when Fletcher Cox forced that fumble and Alex Singleton recovered it from Baker Mayfield. The next play, they threw a 19-yard touchdown to Richard Rodgers. So you need to get some short fields for the offense. Russell Wilson is turning the ball over more lately. He's getting sacked more lately. And that, to me, is what you're going to have to do to beat him for the first time you know, ever. He's 4-0 against them. Right. I mean, you're asking in defense that doesn't get turnovers to get turnovers. I, I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask there, my man. But I, know. I, I know. I agree with you. I mean, that's the way you beat him is you force Russell Wilson into the turnovers that he's been showing to have. Uh, this is when the week that you really need the defense to step up and win you this game because I don't know if this offense can win you this game. I know they're facing this really bad defense, but uh, there's one – there's a piece that they added recently that is not getting enough credit for boosting this uh, that 
poor pass rush. It's Carlos Dunlap. And the Eagles, they have, the Eagles have to face him again. And when he they faced him last time, he he played pretty well. If I don't know, if we recall, he so, loved the Bengals and tackles. He had nine tackles in that game, and a lot right, of and, and he called out Doug Peterson. Peterson. He called out Doug Peterson at the end of the game. He said we knew everything the Eagles were going to throw at us. They were scared to run the ball against us. Yeah. Like, so I mean, I, I that's I think that's going to be overlooked. That adding Carlos Dunlap definitely helps them out on that defensive side, especially I, on that line against a, if Matt Pryor. I mean, I'm praying for you, man. Gonna play right tackle out there. You got my prayers. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like you said, they had to force Russell Wilson in turnovers, and I like that point about the short field. You have that offensive short field; they usually capitalize at least. So uh, that's what the Eagles are going to need to get, finally beat Russell Wilson. But Ed, fifty-one minutes of pure great Eagles talk, my friend. There's a lot of drama going on this week. I had to get your opinions and thoughts and analysts for the show because uh, I think a lot of it's a little crazy. Well, I mean, that's what happens when a season goes off the rails is all these uh, various reports come out with one source, you know. Yeah, we love when it, when it rains, it pours in Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm not a big run, run a story on one source. We've seen some of that. You know, I like to have at least two sources confirm whatever it is I'm hearing. Sometimes it's hard to do, and sometimes you don't get the story because of it. But, you know, to me, that's the responsible thing to do, and some people kind of thrive on this type of off the rail season and they're willing to deal with one source. I'm not. What are you, what's just, uh, this is a good way to end the episode. Actually, what are your thoughts about the Jeffrey Lurie not being at the Cleveland Browns game report? <laughs> you mean the one source story? Um, you know, the Eagles stance on that is that he was trying to quarantine to be with his aged mother for Thanksgiving. And that's certainly very plausible. You know, Jeffrey Lurie's been to every game, but this is a strange year. You know, I could certainly see him wanting to not be around anybody uh, so he doesn't give his mother uh, potentially the virus. So I don't know. I, I think if he was completely unhappy or disgusted or whatever the wording was in this this one source story, um, then I would just go ahead and make a move if I was him. Why would I just stay away, and now he's going to go to the game Monday. Um, I don't know. To me, it just seems like that's one of those reports like we heard about Jim Schwartz going after Doug Peterson's job a couple years ago. Uh, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. Um, I know the reporter does a great job, you know, uh, most of the time, but sometimes uh, I disagree with some of the things, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, I don't have that source, but – if I had at least one source, I would need two. In my opinion, I'm old school like that. And if I couldn't get a second source to confirm it, I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't run it. If my mom was dying, and it might be potentially her last Thanksgiving, and the proposition to me is I need to quarantine and not travel with uh, my football team so I can be with my mother for her last Thanksgiving, I think I'm going to do that. So I think it's pretty plausible all right, there. That's what could have happened. But I mean, hey, you know, what? Uh, Jeff McClain is Jeff McClain. He gets his stories. How he gets his stories? That's that's completely up to him. And just think it's funny you referenced two of his articles there. Anyways, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, he does a great. You know, in my opinion, he does a good job. Uh, a lot of the times, um, more often than not, frankly, and I respect the job he does. But you know, if he feels strongly with the source telling him what he was told then, you know, so be it, uh, you know, we'll see, but it always seems like when things go off the rails, some people do problem that. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Thanks for tuning into Eagles brawl. We greatly appreciate you guys tuning in for this long 54 minute episode. We greatly appreciate it. Check out our sponsorships with Jeff Kings and Manscaped this holiday season, to either win some money or buy your some special someone, some gifts. So, Give them a shout in the middle of the episode, and we have them plugged in to our episode link. And as always, you can find Ed's articles on the Eagles Maven of Sports Illustrated. Just go on there, eaglessi.com. Check out his articles with John McMullen. Always great analyst, as always. Ed, thanks for tuning in. I mean, thanks for joining us, my man. Yep. My pleasure. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. 
Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.